0: Welcome to The Icons by Motiversity.
1: Not this, not just in a regular appointment with some doctor telling me that it's over. I had to use those stories and those processes and those challenges that I overcame to help me overcome the challenge of not playing.
0: Just days ago, it was announced that Chris Bosch was named the Hall of Fame Class of 2021. He's a two-time NBA champion, 11-time NBA All-Star. His jersey, the number one, was retired by Miami Heat. As a high school student, he was named Mr. Basketball in Texas. I think a quote in the Ford of his new book, written by the legendary Pat Riley, says it best. Chris, you fully and consciously embrace sacrificing your own statistics for the good of the team. In my opinion, you became the central figure in making this big three thing work. Chris Bosch, welcome to Motiversity. Thanks very much, man. Thanks for having me. You know, Motiversity is based here in Canada. And like I said, you are still sports royalty up here. And I know that we, and I'm just so motivated by people who aren't just good at one thing, but are they excel everywhere. And, and that's been you. And when I read, I mean, when I picked up Letters to a Young Athlete, I smashed 100 pages in the first setting. I kid you not. And it felt like <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it felt like this was your playbook. This was the life lessons that you needed to learn
1: to get you ready to be at the highest level everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's the intent. Um, you know, one of the one of the interesting things in writing the book, you know, I had to use those um, those stories and those processes and those challenges that I overcame to help me overcome the challenge of not playing. Yeah, uh, That was the most important thing at the time. I had just um, felt like I had the game ripped away from me. And it was just more than, you know, it was more than a game. I That was a part of my identity. It was who I was. It's what I thought about. It's what I laughed over, cried over. It was my job, my passion. <clears throat> All of those things just one day were gone and that came through playing the game and I wasn't able to play it anymore. So I found myself in a position where I had to, you know, look back and kind of look within and try to figure out what it was I was going to do. And, you know, a lot of the time, one of the things that shocked me um, was how casual, and there's nothing wrong with it, everybody has their own lives, right? But how casual it was, oh, you know, Chris, you'll be fine. You've got a lot of money and everything will be fine. And I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm 31. You're telling me to just go off into retirement. Um, you're telling me it's about the money. Why am I not thinking about money right now? I'm not thinking anything about money. Um, I don't have as much as you think I have because it's this thing called taxes (laughs) and they don't put the, how much you get taxed up there with how much you get paid. You know, and I'm in this brand new world and I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. And, you know, I just found myself reflecting and and I had to really, really look within to kind of figure out how I was going to get through uh, this new obstacle. And I just found myself kind of unpacking everything from my life and my childhood, because, you know, the minute I started playing basketball full time, everything just went by so fast. You can't even really Comprehend it. You just go to the next practice, the next bus ride, the next game. I found myself in a situation where I was unpacking everything that had happened. I could reflect on um, those things that helped me, Uh, the bus rides, you know, coach opening the gym for us to let us in, to so we could, you know, play longer, and then taking us home afterwards. You know, those were the main things that were on my mind as I went, you know, and unpacked everything was those were those steps and those people who helped me along the way. And of course, I have to give myself credit too, right? the work that I put in. You know, I've had friends, you know, tell me and we've been sitting here reflecting on it and talking about it. And they were always telling me, yeah, you're in the gym all the time, all day every day. You worked at it. This is all you did. So, you know, to unpack those great stories, it's, uh, it's a good feeling to be able to look back on it and, and, and really be appreciative of it. And more importantly, tell those stories so that hopefully one day, um, somebody can read it, take it for their own and it will help them through a situation. Let's go
0: back to you as a young athlete, high school. What would I have seen in you away from the game?
1: Well, um, that's a funny thing. Uh, I, I had other interests as well. I mean, it was only just basketball, but then eventually you have to go home and fill your time with other things other than homework and school. Um, you know, of course I had friends. One of the things that I really, really, uh, caught uh wind of, um, was graphic design. You know, I, uh, joined this kid, uh, this, um, this club called the whiz kids. Um, because we couldn't practice between 3.45 and 5 o'clock. We always had to share our gyms. We didn't have that many resources uh, where I went to school. So we have six teams that have to practice with two gyms. And so as a varsity team, we always had to wait. And so, you know, that's the main time when you get in trouble, uh, especially as an adolescent or a teenager. And it was this club called the Wiz Kids that I found out about, and I started learning about computer graphics. Then not too long after that, I joined uh, the robotics club and, you know, they, they found out I could do AutoCAD, you know, some way or another. And and I started spending my time, um, uh, before practice doing those things, you know, you know, I just loved it because I was always exercising my mind. I was always doing those things, uh, uh, that I love doing. You know, I love tinkering with stuff. I love messing with computers and, you know, it was kind of like a perfect world for me where I could, you know, go with my friends. We do the after school club. It was kind of like a secret thing. It was our thing. And then right after that, I can go play basketball and hopefully get some shots up after practice. That's a perfect day for me. <laughs> I think that um,
0: kind of multidimensionality that you have is probably speaks to your versatility in so many different ways when we think about the the moment chris that you decided that basketball was going to be your future was there a moment mm-hmm.
1: and if so like what what was it what what caused you to say that's now it"? it it was i want to say long process it was but not that long you know for me i knew that i was going to play basketball professionally or 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 at least i had a very very good shot when I was 17 years old, that's when I knew all the way. Now, before that, that's all I ever did. It's funny. It's a funny question. You say, when did you do basketball? Or when did you know basketball was going to be it? I always knew it. You know, I always worked towards it. You know, the NBA was my goal from the jump every day, all day, but I just didn't do it with words. You know, I went and I went to go seek the information. If I heard Michael Jordan got a thousand shots up. Well, if he's doing it, I want to be like that one day. I need to get a thousand shots up. I looked for any morsel of information that would help me in my, in, in my journey. And, and so, you know, I wanted to make sure that I worked as hard as they did. If I heard about how hard they worked, I wanted to do that same thing. You know because it just it just made sense to me if the pros are doing this then this is what i am aspiring to do i might not even be able to get up a thousand shots because i have to go or i have to go home or i'm too tired <laughs> but you eventually work up your stamina you have those goals um that you want to reach and this is just on the practice level this isn't even playing games this isn't doing anything attached to glory yet. We're just talking about love and dedication of being in the gym. You know, I just love being in the gym. And so I started, I really, really started putting way more work in around 13, 14 years old. I became more serious about it. I had coaches who helped me. Uh, like I told you before, they gave me those rides, picked me up, take me home, leave the gym open, give me the keys. They they allowed me um, uh, to to achieve that work ethic, you know, by uh, by helping me out. Because without that work ethic, you know, greatness cannot be achieved. So you've got to really love what you are doing. You have to just go at it wholeheartedly. You've got to put everything into it. You've got to obsess over it. You know that that was pretty much what I did. And, and at seventeen, I started hitting those markers of saying, "Wow." <clears throat> My, my heroes did this same exact thing. I'm right here where they were as well. I've got a shot. And that was the day where it was really, really serious.
0: <laughs> you know, picking up the book, work ethic was one of the, the themes that just came through loud and clear. A lot of us wonder, what does that level of work ethic look like? You know, if you take yourself from a 17 year old going into the pros at a really young age, one year into university, mm-hmm. What does the work ethic look like all the way through? Take me into a practice.
1: I was, uh, you want the pros or college level? You know, we'll start at college level. Yeah, let's. we'll start at college level because, you know, that's always, that's a very good barometer. <laughs> you know, a typical day in college uh, for a student athlete, um, usually about two, three days a week. This would be one of the days we'd get up at around 6 a.m. so we could lift weights at 6.30. Um, afterwards at around 7.45, 8 o'clock, um, we'll probably get some breakfast. We got class at 9 from about 9 to about 2.30. Then we had to walk uh, to practice. Some days you might have individual work, so you have to be there an hour early and get your work in. And then we practiced. Now, when we practiced, it was a solid three hours and 10 minutes. It was never, you know, that's about the average. Sometimes it'll go three and a half. Sometimes it'll be 250. But three hours and 10 minutes is is the wheelhouse. Then um, around that time, we'd have to get dressed, of course, shower. And uh, it'll be right at around seven o'clock. We we try to get to dinner by six thirty seven o'clock. We get to dinner, we eat, and then we have a mandatory two hours of study hall afterwards. So, you know, I, didn't, I haven't said anything about being social. <laughs> it was just all work. And, you know, that's not including the games. That's not including preparation uh, and meetings and treatment. If you have to get treatment, if you're hurt, you know, those were uh, uh, the requirements almost every day um as a student athlete and then you know i get to the pros what was so crazy about the pros is it's kind of up to you but the hours are already immense so you have to take into effect that on a game day usually people see your favorite you know you see your favorite player playing from 7:30 to 9:30 monday wednesday friday right well if we're playing a 7:30 game i get up at 9:30 you know, so I can be at the gym at 1030. So we can do our walkthrough in preparation for the game that night, which is about an hour. Then we have to get treatment again, get cover up those nicks and nicks shower. I'm out the gym by about 12. And I would take a nap, eat lunch, take a nap. Then I'm right back at the gym. And, you know, the, the true shock was after the game. If we have a back-to-back back and, and we're playing a game in Charlotte the next night. Well, right after the game, we're headed to the airport. We're flying into Charlotte. We're on the bus. Then we check into our hotel so we can be up for another seven o'clock game the next day. <laughs> so, you know, the pros, it was the the immense amount of games and that's 82 games a year. You know, it was uh, it was a traveling show. So, you always had to be ready, have your bags packed, have your identification. In my case, my passport. And, you know, on top of practicing and lifting weights and appearances, uh, because it's a professional game now. So you have to do things for the season ticket holders, you know, just these requirements that you have to meet. It just, it, it became immense. but I eventually got used to it. And, and, you know, if you want to be the best at something, you're going to find a way Uh, uh, to push through those challenges and make sure you do what you need to do to be successful.
0: When I picked up your book, one of the lines that caught me early on, you said, you know, there's a lot of people in your ear nowadays and all of them think they know, but I know what it takes. And then you start to get into these life lessons. Why was it so important to write this book and frame it for young people?
1: Well, I, I wanted, we wanted to frame it for young people because, of course, I think uh, we all consider ourselves, hopefully, we all consider ourselves young. And when you think of talking uh, to a younger person, you think more simply. The language, you're not trying to use too much advanced language to try to get your point across. It's simple, it's to the point, and it's to where people can understand it. And, you know, that was pretty much the goal, uh, of course, of this book. And... It helped me uh, from a writing standpoint, kind of write to myself almost, you know, Uh, because I see so much of myself in young athletes, you know, and I had some people along the way who helped me to tell me, I just want to see you do good. I don't want anything from you because in your quest for greatness, and especially if you want to be a professional athlete, people just want to take from you. You know, they'll see something good and they just want to take, take, take all the time for their own benefit or they'll be your friend for their own benefit. It's not to actually help you. This is to actually help people, you know, because I'm I'm paying it back. This is my memento to the game because so many people um, throughout my process helped me. And I had a coach specifically tell me one time, I just want to see you do good. I don't want anything from you. I want to see what you can accomplish through hard work, through dedication, through commitment, through teamwork. And you know, I just felt that through literature, this was such a great way to kind of give away those gems as well, because I've had so many books to help me. You know, that, that that's where I, you know, I felt that, man, wow, I've taken in so much from reading books. I think this will work and I think this will be there for people who are looking for something and looking to be inspired and looking just for that one percent to help them get just a little better, you know, a little bit closer to your goal. That's what I'm hoping uh, this will help people do. What do you think your edge is over everybody else? Right now or back when I was playing? (laughs) I I think it's still around, but back when you were playing. Back when I was playing, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Um, yeah. Back when I was playing, my edge was my intensity. My edge was my focus, uh, and my commitment. You know, I put everything into the game. I prepared, um, I dreamt about it. I visualized it. I always prepared myself mentally for whatever is coming. And I felt that that was my edge. Just kind of like I was alluding to earlier, I read books. I felt that was an edge as well. You know, I've read these different books on mental toughness and I'm going to take nuggets from each one. to maybe, and, and maybe it'll help me because I know I'm going into a tough situation and it's going to be extremely hard, but I'm not going to give up. And it doesn't even matter if the other side knows that about me. They're in trouble before they even lace it up. That's how I felt. Every single match. I didn't care who I was playing. And, um, you know, it kind of spills over into this day. Um, You know, it's all about work ethic. It's all about what you choose to do in life. uh, What is important to you? What is that goal that you're going to identify and go after and say, I'm going to go after this thing wholeheartedly. It doesn't matter what other people say. This is what I feel is positive. I love it. You know the whole world disappears when I do it, and I'm gonna channel this thing so I can help myself so I can help other people. I think you know uh putting everything in fun and that that's kind of what I transfer it to uh to now, but like now, I just try to you know do it with my work ethic you know be be responsible, think about those things that I'm putting my time into and what I want to accomplish while I'm doing these things you know I think that's uh that's where I'm at now, but the passion, the purpose, um, you know, that never goes anywhere. I think one of the things that um you know, there's there's
0: so many stories and, and accolades that, that come with your career. One of the things that it often isn't talked about as much is just how clutch you were. I mean you you were clutch, man. And uh I appreciate that. Wh- I mean walk me into the prep into a game, into those moments. Like what does it take to have your mindset ready when it comes down to it?
1: Believing in yourself, you know, a lot of hard work and a lot of visualization. Um, And I know that kind of sounds like very, very simple, but you know, I think Da Vinci said, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, right? I would try to practice those things over and over. Kobe and Jordan were my heroes. And that was one of the things, you know, if you watch basketball, you hear about how clutch people are and it's not always making the last shot. You know, it's under pressure doing what you're supposed to do and coming out, um, successful. So, you know, sometimes it would be a big rebound. Sometimes it would be an assist. Sometimes it would be uh defense, you know, sometimes it would be not making a fuss. If coach subbed me out, you know, That could be clutch as well, but I always saw myself being successful and and, and in terms of shots, you know, anytime I hit a big shot, I mean, you know, everyone would be so surprised and just like, wow, I would be surprised if I didn't make it, (laughs) you know, I put the work into this like every day, all day. And then when I'm done with it, guess what I do? I dream about it. I visualize it. I see myself being successful. I see myself hitting those shots with no time on the clock, with a little time on the clock. And then I'll do it again and say, Hey, what if we're down two? Then I'll do it again and say, what if we're down three? You know, it's a never ending game. And anytime I was successful in those situations, I mean, you know, I would always let people know it's through dedication, through your hard work, and through mental preparation and visualization. If you do those things, if you can see yourself being successful in your mind, then it will appear in the physical reality. If you're calm and collected, when you get the opportunity, right? Sometimes we get the opportunity and we rush it. You know, you have to have total just commitment and dedication and just know you have to have faith too, because you know, I've worked hard enough to be in this position. I'm going to let my training kick in because I've been here before, you know, I've thought about it. This is what it feels like. It's almost crazy because it's deja vu, you know, and and that's how I tried to kind of, you know, approach those situations. So when I was able to be successful, it was a great thing. It's a, it's a regular day. It's a normal day. If I miss it, that's abnormal. That's how I felt. I mean when you say it's uh it's not always a
0: shot i mean you're part of a string of iconic moments in miami you know game six spurs second championship rebound shot block i mean that goes down into lore <laughs> chris um let's talk about you going to miami how, how does that materialize yeah. so big three how does that go from a, a crazy idea between three superstars to actually happening
1: well by the time um it was an idea um it was already uh you know, the Miami had the cap space and the and the ability um uh, to do that. They were the only team in the league who could do that at that time, uh to do the three superstars thing. Um every other team could only do two. <laughs> Which some teams had, like Chicago already had Derrick Rose and and and, and Joe Kim Noah and Lou Aldang. They had a very, very solid um core to build off of. But, you know, um, I'm going to give credit to Pat Riley on that one. I mean, of course, we had uh, we had our intentions as players to put ourselves in a championship position, but it just doesn't stop there, right? Um, I had to be convinced that, okay, what is possible is possible. And he pretty much definitely had a big role in it because, you know, just in his speech, for one, he he's a great speaker. But two, he, he pretty much he pretty much like, you know, just told us we're on the precipice, or at least told me that, you know, we're on the precipice of greatness, just at a, at a chance at greatness. And it doesn't happen every now and then that's, that's pretty much the message he delivered. And, um, he definitely made me feel that, um, of course it's about championships, but legacy as well as a basketball player and as a person, he got those things. And, you know, just looking back on his career, he was one of those people that if I could talk to that person, if even if it's just for five minutes, just get some sort of energy from him, I I could be great. (laughs) He just oozes it. And, um, I know for me that, that really helped me in my situation because I wanted to win a championship. I wanted to be successful, uh, in that regard. So, I was looking for a place that better suited me for that. That idea of greatness, I mean, um,
0: congratulations 2021 Hall of Fame. I think that's the capstone to, you know, I've been great in this sport and greatness followed your career. I think that's what's interesting is that you came out of one of the strongest draft classes ever and you were around greatness your whole career and you, you still succeeded. But you played with mm-hmm. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Kobe. What did you learn about
1: greatness from those players? The aspirations, the dreams of what it takes, the commitment to hard work, but more importantly, how many lumps you've got to take? <laughs> if you want to be great, oh man, prepare to get up off that mat. You're gonna get knocked down. Over. And over and over. And even when you feel like, no, nobody, I can't be hit this hard. Or if you're down there thinking, there's no way I can get up from this. That's when you're just starting. That's when it it really kind of, that's when your your survival skills have to kick in. And hopefully you've trained enough in, in, in your mental preparation and really believe enough in yourself to get up. Because, you know, everybody, I think we always uh, said the easiest thing to do is hold that trophy. That's the easiest thing to do in this process. And that's only going to be for a very short amount of time. The work, the will, the commitment. Like I said, getting getting up when you're knocked down. I mean, you know, throughout Kobe's career and Michael's career, LeBron's career, Dwayne's career. Magic Johnson's career. There's always going to be these struggles that, or, or challenges that you have to get over. And the hardest part is in you trying to be one of the best in the game, there's going to be a tension with it, right? You're put on a pedestal and you fall even harder, you know, when you do. So I really had to learn how much you have to prepare. You have to live it. You have to want it so bad to where you'll sacrifice those Saturday nights or Friday nights with your friends. You know, um, you'll sacrifice if, if, if you're in high school or something and the, and the dance is this week. You know, if there's more dances, hey, I'm going to the gym. <laughs> you know, this is what I'm going to put my time into because this is what I want. And being around all of those great players, getting to see their commitments, see their rituals, see how much they put into the game. I mean, it was um, it was second to none. And I always take those processes and, you know, that's what I tried to uh, bring into the book as well. I wanted to interject those stories that I heard from my heroes as well, you know, just because. People need to hear it. You need to hear how much work goes into it. Like I say, they always see us doing the easy part. Hold the trophy and kiss it. And that's what everybody sees. They don't see the day where you do not feel like going to the gym at all. I do not. Nobody can talk me into it. Even yourself. You're telling yourself, no, I'm too tired. I'm achy. There's no way I can make it. You got to go. You know, you have to stick to what you said you were going to do. And that's one of the main things I got from those guys. First chapter of your book starts with fatigue.
0: And I love that. I mean, it it speaks to what you were just talking about with those, with greatness. It's not, I mean, the trophy is the easy part, but I'm assuming you're tired. Yeah. I'm assuming you're already, (laughs) you know, ready to give up. And I don't know if you recognize this, (laughs) but the first athlete you bring up in the book is Candace Parker. And,
1: uh, you know... You talk about hard work, work ethic. What inspires you so much about her? We were in the 08 Olympics and she told me that and just hearing not not only her, but all of the women. Women don't get their just due. Um, and I can only speak to the WNBA players. They don't get their just due overall. But it's specifically, the, the, the women who are playing professional basketball, I thought I had it rough, okay? Listening to their schedule on an Olympic year, you know, it was crazy. It's basketball year round. There is no two week break. The only two week break that they get. If they get that, they don't get it. They go right. And when we're already in China, some of our women were going straight to training camp in Europe. They don't get time off. I'm about to go to the beach, you know, (laughs) blow off a little steam before training camp. They're going right to training camp in another country they haven't been home in weeks and months you know and when she was telling me that story it's just like wow that's that's insane and nobody knows and they don't even get paid as much money as they should you know and on top of that you know they go to three or four olympics <laughs> this is what they do that's when i truly knew like okay you know they live they the, these women live it um, Candace in particular, she was 18 years old competing in the Olympics. You know, she just got drafted. She was just in the final four. She was just playing her regular season and now she's in the Olympics now. They, and then they have to go back and play more basketball. And then after that, it's summertime again. So the WNBA is about to start, you know, it's just, it was an insane schedule, but to watch these women do it. Not only talk about it, but do it and have longevity doing it. I only played, what, like 13 years. These women are doing this for 15, 16, 17, 18 years. Four Olympics. Like, I couldn't even imagine that. You know, so that was truly inspiring for me. Um I always try to get to a level where I don't make excuses. And um after hearing their stories, um I, I started... I started, you know, making sure I keep my chin up and making sure I'm not complaining um, about anything about the luxuries that I have, that basketball brought me.
0: Speaking about your career, greatness, you know, you're at that level, two NBA championships, and then it's cut short and Mm -hmm. lots would say almost unfairly. So, I mean, you're in your prime, you're at your height of greatness. Take us into that, Chris. Uh, I mean, I can only imagine what the process would have looked like, but take us into the emotion.
1: Oh, man, it sucks. It's heartbreaking. Um, It's surreal. Unbelievable. And I don't mean in a good way. Um, And for a while, I I fought that notion. You know, not me. It couldn't have happened to me. This is not fair. I haven't done anything wrong. Um, I came back from it you know it happened twice to me i came back from the last time i was in the hospital laid up you know fresh out of surgery and i had to i was in the hospital for 2 weeks with tubes in my chest you know and 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 i overcame that man not this not just in a regular appointment with some doctor telling me that it's over you know it took it took a very long time to get over that it was crushing it was heartbreaking you know and i and i blew off steam at the time by you know um trying to get back in the league I worked out vigorously trying to stay ready uh but eventually i came to the realization that it wasn't going to happen and um you know, you know it, it just sucks you know there's no other way to put that um i thought i thought and i say it in the book as well i thought winning a championship was the hardest thing i'd ever do and we say that, you know, that was like a mantra in the locker room. This is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. This goal right here. And it was true up until a, up until a point, but it didn't last very long. Um, the true challenge was being able to see that, uh, or, 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 you know, while I'm in the weeds, getting out of the weeds of saying, okay, basketball doesn't define me. I'm not a basketball player anymore. I once was, but that's not all to me. I didn't want to hear it at first because, you know, like you said, I'm on the top of my game. I have at least three or four more years to play at a high level and I'm not going to waste it because I almost died. You know, I'm going to make sure I put everything into this game was able to get I was able to get back to all star level and still be, you know, not only myself, but a better version of my new self. And, you know, that was cut short and. You know, you have to go through the stages of grief. Um, You know, we're all human. There's nothing you can do about that. But I'm just happy that I was able to have a beautiful outlook on it at the end and eventually work through all that pain and get to this point. And, And that's a lot where this book comes from, because, you know, I found myself writing out my pain. And after I got through all of Pat Riley likes to call it mental diarrhea (laughs) got all the mental diarrhea out right in every morning i then saw that i was appreciative at the end of the day i still had my life um you know my thing was hey if i'm gonna have 13 years at at this thing i thought i was gonna have 18 or 19 but if i'm gonna have 13 boy i don't think i left a stone unturned there's nothing else that i could have done i put my all into it I dedicated myself to it and man, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a piece. And I can look back and be proud of that. What's your legacy, Chris, in basketball? Oh man. I mean, I get to go to the hall of fame. Uh, (laughs) That, that in, in itself is just amazing. Um, it's, it's still being continued, um, to be written. Um, I think as a player, uh, I just wanted to be known as the as a competitor, as a winner, to uh, as a good teammate, a good friend, um, that person that you could depend on. I don't care if I was sick. I don't care what has happened in the outside world. You can count on Chris. He'll be there a- every time. You even if you don't see me, he's back there. I wanted to be that person. I want that to be my legacy as a basketball player. And then as it continues. You know, this book is a huge part. Um, This book is a part of my legacy, you know, because I want to help people. I want that player. I want he or she to have that book in their bag on the way to the big game, searching, looking for that thing or captivated by this chapter to where they feel that they're ready to go perform. You know, or I want that CEO or the ballet dancer or the person flipping burgers, the chefs. You know, I want everybody to be able, whatever you need to get you mentally focused and prepared to do what you're about to do, because it's coming. If you're looking for it, it's coming. I want this book to kind of get you in that mind frame to be ready for that. You're getting announced that you're being inducted into the Hall of Fame. I mean...
0: You know, in lots of ways, what it means to an onlooker, someone who just appreciates greatness in a career, was interesting because you had the ability to rise, to be the number one, to be the guy, to carry a franchise. Mm. You were the face of basketball in a country here in Canada. But you also had the ability to (laughs) to fit into a team, to really work a team, to be the hub of a team in a different way. And that was recognized. Mm. And we see it. Mm -hmm. What was
1: it like being the face of a sport in a country it's crazy um one of my my college roommate jared jack he came out we we were both in the nba both made the nba and um i went to go pick him up for dinner one time and we were super young i think i was 22 he's 23 you know we're still very young guys in the league and we go out to dinner and You know, we're hanging out, we're young single guys, him just seeing the reaction from the fans and how much they loved, I can sure say love me, but love the game to where they recognize me and say, Bosh, oh my God, let's go rap. I mean, it was common. And so much to the fact where he was like, man, what in the world is going on, man? You, this is crazy out here. You know, this is like some different, it's a different level of, uh, of love. Um, it was crazy. I mean, just being able to play and know that, um, you have a whole country supporting you. It was, it was second to none. I mean, it took me a while to really comprehend it, but I, you know, I, I just wanted to reflect that with my work. I knew that people coming to the game wanted to, you know, see me play. I know people watching the TV were hoping, wishing, praying that the Raptors would be successful that year, just like me. So I always felt we were in the foxhole together, so to speak. And you know, just seeing the passion and how much everyone loved basketball out there, even when we weren't that good. even when we were just young and scrappy and and I'm trying to be successful and I'm saying hey Canada you can count on me and I don't even have any facial hair yet they still said okay yeah yeah." (laughs) they took in that 220 pound 215 pound skinny kid with big dreams you know and and I just always felt that I could do it there. Christy you've been an all-star in life and you got a long life ahead of you what's next? Man, you know, I've, uh, I've recently been just trying to work on um, being present. Of course, um, we have huge aspirations uh, for this book, and I'm constantly trying to find new goals to go after. But I I would say mainly, I'm just really being open to being present, you know, putting the work in every day, whether that's answering emails, writing letters, reading, uh, working out, doing the things that keep me prepared, but most importantly. Spend that time with my kids. I have five children, you know, so get the time in with the kids, you know, uh, go on a date with my wife, have conversations with my friends, you know, those small things, you know, even if it's just taking the time, the time to reflect for 10 or 15 minutes while I'm outside, you know, get some outside time and just, you know, admire how beautiful the day is, you know, and, and appreciate it. Take those moments. Those are my That's my number one goal that I hope to live by. And then, you know, I'm going to consistently, um, you know, make challenges and try to and try to go after them. this book, uh, definitely being one of them. Um, And my challenge now is to hopefully start a conversation centered around it. And I want to hear from people. You know, I want to hear people's stories on how it helped them, because that will give me satisfaction knowing that somebody helped me you know, um, at one point in time, or those words that I read on that page really, really cut through and resonated with me. And I applied it and it worked, you know, I want to hear those stories. Um, I hope it helps people and, and then, you know, we'll go from there, but I just want to be happy and healthy, you know, see these babies grow, um, and live as long as I can (laughs) and have as much fun as I can. Well, Chris, just like uh, you wanted to soak
0: up lessons from those around you growing up, your heroes. You know, there's millions of people who are looking to soak up lessons from you right now. So, you know, it's been an absolute honor from my perspective. It's been an absolute honor for Motiversity to have this conversation. We're wishing you the best.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And hey, guys, you can do it. You can do it. I don't care what anybody says. I'm telling you, you can do it. So take that.